you for joining us today the lord bless you for joining me one more time on facebook on the word of his grace the unsearchable riches of christ the lord bless you the lord bless you this is the doing of the lord and it is marvelous in our sight i thank god for the privilege today to also share with you another word that will bless you another word that will that will increase you another word that will be a blessing unto you bless you for joining me and no bless you for joining bless you whoever is watching me bless you for joining the unsearchable riches of christ the unsearchable good morning good morning good morning bless you bless you bless you the unsearchable riches of christ it has been a blessing in the past three days and today is going to be the last day for this month the last day for this month and uh, i am going to share something that will bless you today as well but as usual i want to give a recap of what we have been doing for the past few days you know we've been talking about the unsearchable riches of christ and we have established the fact that the word unsearchable means boundless and the word riches that is used in that context is is the same word that is used to refer to the blessing or the riches of abraham in fact the word riches means wealth so the same word is used to describe the treasure or the riches of abraham in genesis 13 and in first kings chapter 3 that same riches is used to describe what solomon had as as a servant of god you know so the riches is boundless unsearchable in other words it is beyond human comprehension it is it it, it is immeasurable man cannot measure that blessing that riches that are in christ jesus and we said that the word riches was used in ephesians chapter 3 verse 8 by the apostle paul he said that the ministry the gospel or the this ministry or this dispensation is giving me that i may preach among the gentiles the unsearchable riches of christ so we took time to delve deeper into the scriptures and we we studied the word riches what it meant what what are the unsearchable riches and we found out that the word riches used in that context is actually a message that paul was preaching a message that is the unsearchable riches of Christ so we look into the scriptures we find that we found out what are these riches so we found from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 the Bible says God is rich in mercy so we said one of the unsearchable riches of Christ is that he is rich in mercy bless you man of God Philip for joining me God bless you for joining me God bless you so the the unsearchable riches of Christ is mercy God is rich in mercy Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 and we said it is out of his mercy that we got saved because when you read from verse 1 he said for you who were in sins and trespasses has he quickened bless you man of God Michael Michael the Lord bless you Deborah the Lord bless you for joining so we looked at the word mercy and we said that the mercy the word mercy is the same word that was used in 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 the book of hebrews where the bible said that we should therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace so we said wherever the mercy of god is the grace of god is available then we said the meaning of mercy means not getting what you deserve not getting what you deserve in other words the wages of sin is death 
So when a man sins, he deserves to die. When the mercy of God comes in, you don't get that, what you, that which you deserve. That is the death that you deserve. In other words, the grace of God comes in. So grace is getting what you don't deserve. And the mercy of God is not getting what you deserve. So you don't even deserve to be born again. You don't deserve the life of Christ. But because grace comes in, you get what you don't deserve. And rather what you deserve, you don't get. The punishment for your sins, you don't get it because mercy sets in. So we said that is the unsearchable riches of Christ. This has no boundary. It has no limit. Paul calls it the unsearchable, the boundless riches, the boundless riches of Christ. And he said, this is the message God gave me to preach to people. You know, he said, the mercy of God, not judgment. God is not a judgmental God. God is a God of mercy. The Bible says in, in the book of Timothy, he said, who will have all men to be saved? and come to the knowledge of the truth so the will of god is for all men that is the mercy of god at work praise god i hope this this blessed you and we also looked at another unsearchable riches of christ we said god is rich in glory god is rich in glory philippians chapter 4 verse 19 he said that the, it talks about the god who is rich in glory and when he went on and on he was talking about the father god is rich in glory god who is rich in glory so we said that the glory of god is god himself taking residence on the inside of a man bless you my brother mawili for joining me god bless you so much he said that the, the, so the mercy of god is god himself taking residence on the inside of man so we said the glory is god himself taking residence on the inside of man that is god's glory so when they born again when you are born again and you are saved the glory is in you in the old testament they were praying for the glory of god moses was praying lord show me your glory you see he was praying for god to show him his glory but we found out from the scriptures in colossians chapter 1 verse 24 25 26 27 the bible said christ in you the hope of glory Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ in us is the glory of God in us. So we don't pray for God to change or God to show us his glory. Because he says Christ is in us. That is the hope of our glory. So we don't pray for God to change or, show, you know, praying for God to change our destiny. Praying for God to show us his glory. You know, we need to understand from the scriptures that actually the destiny that we are talking about is Christ. Because the will of God is for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge. So the destiny we, are, we want to get there is a person. The destiny is not a circumstance. Destiny is not a situation. Destiny is a person. So Christ is the destiny. So when you get into Christ, you have gotten to the destination. So Christ is the end of all things. Christ is not a means to an end. He is the end of all things. So we established that we also looked at the, the, the riches of his goodness. Romans chapter 2 verse 4. The Bible said God is rich in goodness. And he said it is the riches of his goodness that make well, leadeth man to repentance. So we said that it is God's goodness that leadeth man unto repentance. It is not about the confession. It is not about the, the rolling and the vomiting. It is the goodness. He's rich in goodness. So God's goodness is his character towards a sinner. That is what makes a man receive that riches 
in Christ Jesus. Praise God. That was day one. That was a blessing. And, and the second day, we delve more deeper into it and we look more into certain i mean certain realms we talk more about certain realms up still on the unsearchable riches of christ yesterday we also talked about the new testament ministry we said the new testament ministry is a ministry of receiving from the finished work of christ and this finished work of christ is the unsearchable riches of christ so we took time and looked into certain scriptures we look at john 3 27 the bible said that a man can receive nothing receive and we said the word receive is from the word lambano which means to to seize or to take charge so god uh, jesus said in john 3 27 a man can receive nothing the word receive except it is given to him from above so we said in the new testament we receive out of the unsearchable riches of christ then we look at first peter 4 10 the bible said every man as every man has received the gift so even so minister one to another receive the gift so you have to be ready to know that there is a receiving there is a receiving then we look at first john 2 27 the bible said but the anointing which you have received oh my goodness the anointing which you have received you didn't work for it it is not about the number of hours that we pray that makes us anointed that is very good we need to discipline ourselves in prayer and you know yearn for the the more of god but the anointing which you have received you received it you received it you received it he said it dwells in you and abided with you forever and we said we receive bless you apostle mansford man of god i salute you thanks for joining then we also looked at first uh, james 1 17. the bible said let not that man think he shall receive anything so we said we still saw the word receive that means that in the new testament it's a receiving testament we receive out of the abundance of christ then we look at first timothy 4 4 the bible said for every creature is good and nothing to be received to be refused and it should be received with thanksgiving so this one paul was talking about how people were talking about days this day is important than this day this food is even important people think they don't have to eat this food and paul was saying that for every creature is good and nothing to be refused but it has to be received with thanksgiving praise god that is the new testament ministry it's a receiving out of the unsearchable riches of christ then acts chapter 1 verse 8 he said but you shall receive power we saw the word receive there again we receive power he said you shall receive power then we, we we went on and on we went on and on that was for yesterday just a quick recap on yesterday so the new testament is a testament of receiving acknowledging what christ has done and receiving and we talked about the forgiveness of sins and we said that we receive forgiveness at salvation the day you got saved that is when your sins were forgiven eternally in fact let me stress on that word eternally your sins have been eternally forgiven you know any born again who does not accept that his sins are eternally forgiven i'm going to show you a very uh, simple scripture in the bible right now i want to show you a very quick scripture in first john chapter 2 verse 12 you know uh, uh, the, the writer of first john which is john was addressing he, he grades the level of maturity in christianity uh, uh, based on their understanding first john chapter 2 verse 12 and he's going to talk about 
the forgiveness of sins that is why it is very very important you know i've had people ask me when are my sins forgiven after i get saved how long is my sins forgiven are my sins forgiven occasionally when i confess them you know so these are basic things that i believe as believers we should understand because if you don't understand the the concept of forgiveness it will rob you and always you'll be struggling in your christian life thinking that god is always against you you know so first john chapter 2 first john chapter 2 verse 12 i want to share a very uh, very nice scripture from the book of first john chapter 2 where the writer was addressing this group of people bless you man of god minister bernard the lord bless you for joining first john chapter 2 he was addressing this group of people based on their level of maturity and 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 it will marvel you to know what he said about the forgiveness of sins first john chapter 2 Okay, 1 John chapter 2, let me start from verse 12. He said, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Your sins are not forgiven based on your confession. Your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. What name is he talking about? The name of Jesus Christ. Then he said, so he addressed children. Now he said, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him. That is from the beginning. Then he said, I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. Now, this is where I want to say. Then he said, I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. So he was even telling the, 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 the little children that your sins are forgiven. Now, what he was saying is that even he called them you know he was addressing believers based on their level of understanding bless you graceland for joining so he said to the little children he says your sins are forgiven that means the commonest truth that uh, i mean a, a baby christian can understand is the forgiveness of sins so because he said little children i'm writing unto you because you know that your sins are forgiven so the commonest truth that a baby christian can even know as a christian is that he is forgiven so that is what we talked about yesterday we talked about that yesterday just for the for the purpose of recap we that is what we discussed yesterday but today i want to i want to quickly talk about yeah apostle manford said bless you man of god for your great work in the kingdom god bless you sir bless you i appreciate it a lot the lord bless you so we i want to talk about uh the 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 seal of the holy spirit the holy spirit is the seal of the believer you know like i emphasized yesterday people believe in work security people believe in work security but they don't believe in eternal security you know so it is very important when a man gets saved when a man gets saved what happens to him when a man gets saved? now the day you got saved god didn't save us to leave us to you know maintain our salvation god saves us and he 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 saves us and he seals us so god saved us and he sealed us by his holy spirit so the holy spirit is the seal of the born again believer the day you got saved you were sealed with the holy spirit the day you got saved you were sealed with the holy spirit so it is very important for us to understand michael says i write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake yes that's uh first john chapter 2 verse 12 i write unto you so the the seal of the holy spirit actually means the ownership that god has placed on the believer the day you receive 
Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you. And that Holy Spirit is the mark of ownership on the believer. In other words, the difference between a believer and an unbeliever is the Spirit of the living God. The, the difference between a believer and an unbeliever is the seal of the Holy Spirit. Like you go to the post office to post a letter, you have a seal. Even if you have an envelope, there is a seal on that envelope. And that makes it, I mean, it's, the, it, anytime someone opens that, you know it has been opened. So the seal is a mark of ownership that that thing, that thing belongs to you. Bless you, brother Paul, for joining me. Bless you, man of God. So the Holy Spirit is the seal of the believer. The day you got saved, he comes to take residence on your inside. And that is the mark that the devil knows that this one belongs to God. That is the mark of ownership on your life as a born again. So the day the Holy Spirit leaves your life, you know, that is why the believer has no correlation with hell. The born again has no correlation with hell. You know, you ask people, are you sure you go to heaven? Then they say, oh, on the last day we will know who will go to heaven. It is not on the last day you will know because the Holy Spirit is your seal of ownership. The ownership that you belong to God is the Holy Ghost. So the believer is actually made up of heaven. The believer is not trying to make heaven. You know, like I always say, heaven and Jesus, which one is, is, is I ask people, heaven and Jesus, which one is more important? I want you to tell me, what what's the, the which one do you think is more important? So, you know, the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, which means heaven has an expiry date. So the focus of the believer is not to make heaven. Your focus is to be in Christ. Heaven is a benefit of Christ. When you are in Christ, you are in heaven. So the Holy Spirit is the seal of the believer. Once the Holy Spirit is in your life, he seals you. He seals you. The devil cannot snatch you. The devil cannot snatch you. That is why Jesus prayed a prayer in the book of John. He said, I, I pray for these ones and no one can snatch them from my hand. Why? Because of the seal of the Holy Spirit. It's a mark of ownership. The mark of ownership as salvation on your life. And the Bible says in Colossians 1.12. I want to read that scripture quickly. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. It's very, very important. Colossians 1 verse 12 the bible says giving thanks unto the father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints then he said who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son so you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son that is the movement once the holy spirit comes to live in you once the holy spirit comes to dwell in you there is a translation and that is what is called the deliverance then ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 i want to read this scripture so we know that these are things that the bible talks about ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 ephesians 1 13 ephesians 1 13 the bible says in whom ye also trusted after you had the word of truth that is the gospel of your salvation in whom also after ye believed ye were sealed with the holy spirit of promise so the born again has been sealed with the promise what is the promise the promise that was given unto abraham 
that is the seal that the believer has today so the born again has been sealed in fact the word sealed means to place a stamp on something when you place a stamp on something it connotes a mark of ownership that this thing belongs to you that is the mark of ownership on the believer that is why the believer cannot be molested in dream the believer cannot be beaten in dreams the believer cannot be given food to eat in dreams you have the seal of the holy ghost when the kingdom of darkness sees you they see that no this one has the seal this one we can't go close to that is the seal of the holy ghost in in on the life of the believer so that is very 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 important that is very important so somebody asked me a question at where, where when do we receive the holy spirit you receive the holy spirit the day you get born again you receive the Holy Spirit the day you got saved, the day you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. That is the day you received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus Christ was on earth, the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was with his disciples. You know, so the, whole, the, the, the disciples of Jesus didn't have the Holy Spirit in them during the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. They were going out to preach, to cast out devils. In fact, they were doing all kinds of miracles out there, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. They didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit in them. But after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that was when the Spirit was given. So Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, when the disciples were fearing persecution and were hiding in a room, in john chapter 19 20 the bible said that when jesus went into the room he breathed unto them and he breathed unto them and said receive ye the spirit that was the first time they received the indwelling because god was taking them back to creation when god breathed into adam for god for adam to be a living soul in that same way for their spirit to be recreated jesus breathed into them and said receive ye the holy spirit they became saved on that day that day was when they actually received the presence of the holy spirit in them in them now what about acts chapter 1 verse 8 jesus said but you shall receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you now we must know that there are two words that the gospels usually use concerning the holy spirit jesus was talking about the spirit will be in you then at another point, he will say, the Spirit will come upon you. Now, the Holy Spirit is one. The Holy Spirit is one. But it was talking about the functions or the dwell workings of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the believer at the point of salvation. Now, Graceland is asking that speaking in tongues means a believer has the Spirit. Speaking in tongues is a sign that follows believers speaking in tongues is a sign that follows believers when they get saved mark chapter 16 verse 16 17 18 jesus said these signs shall follow those who believe then he said in my name they shall cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues and jesus christ so what i was saying in in the gospels was that the, the jesus talked about the indwelling presence of the holy spirit that is received at salvation when you get saved 
you receive the indwelling the spirit comes to dwell on your inside in other words the reason why he comes to live in you is for you to be able to bear the fruit of the spirit in galatians chapter 5 then jesus also spoke about the spirit you shall receive power when the holy spirit comes upon or on you now there are two different things one could be found in john chapter 3 where jesus met the woman at the well jesus was talking about the holy spirit and the other could be found in john chapter 7 when jesus was talking about the holy spirit It's the same spirit but it has dual workings so speaking in tongues is when the power of the spirit comes upon you for why why does the power of the spirit comes upon you to equip you to empower you to do the work of ministry to empower you to serve so the speaking in tongues comes as an evidence that you have received the indwelling presence of the holy spirit but not speaking in tongues doesn't mean somebody doesn't have the holy spirit because the holy spirit is actually received at salvation that's why the bible said he who does not have the spirit is not of mine when jesus talked about he who does not have the spirit he wasn't talking about speaking in tongues he was talking about the indwelling presence of the holy spirit so the spirit is one he is one person but he has dual workings when he comes when his power comes upon you it empowers you for service but when you receive him as salvation you bear the fruit of the spirit so that is the distinction it is one spirit when you speak in tongues it builds you up the fact that you know speaking in tongues is a sign that must follow believers it's not a special grace there is a gift called the gift of speaking in tongues and there is general sign that jesus talked about in mark chapter 16 that will follow born again believers so speaking in tongues is a sign that follows believers he said these signs will follow you these are signs in the same way like casting out devils we don't chase casting out we don't go to be to for devils to be casted out of us rather they are signs that accompany us as born again believers so that is the difference there is one spirit you know the bible talks about the seven spirits of god doesn't mean there are seven holy spirits there is only one spirit but the functions of the spirit that is why the prophet i mean listed them in the scriptures the, the the holy spirit is one but he has dual multiple functions he functions and that is the two dual functions of the holy spirit is just what we looked at in the gospels so the disciples actually received the indwelling spirit in john 19 20 and when the power of the holy spirit came upon them in acts chapter 1 verse 8 or when jesus gave them that assurance that was a promissory note and the spirit came upon them in Acts chapter 2 for service for ministry she said how does a believer who does not speak in tongues act, act, activate the power of the holy spirit yeah this is one important question you know a, a believer who doesn't speak in tongues you know doesn't rob you of going to heaven but you know you you you, you need to the christian life is such that it it should be enjoyable god god called us into christianity god called us to be believers that we enjoy our christian life we don't have to endure our christian life so the reason why a believer must speak in tongues is because a believer has a ministry you have something to offer your generation you have something for the body of christ to you have something to do in the body of christ bless you nana yabua okansi god bless you for joining so you are not just a believer just to go to church 
you are a believer the bible says in second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 that he has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation so the believer has a ministry that is why he needs that empowerment to be able to you know minister to people by the leading of the spirit so the question is how does the believer now gone were the days where people thought that speaking in tongues was you know it 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 you have to tarry i heard the word was used some years ago that the because jesus told the believers to wait in jerusalem believers have to tarry for years to receive the holy spirit but you know that like we said it is receiving we said yesterday we receive when you are trying to receive something i am giving it to you all you do is to stretch out reach out your hand and receive so speaking in tongues is received he said you shall receive power he didn't say you shall find ways and means for the spirit to come on you you shall receive you receive so how is the question how do i receive number one you have to be born again if you are born again the holy spirit is in you already now the receiving is by acknowledging that power that jesus christ was talking about so now i am born again you can if 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 one way i mean one way for one simple way for the purpose of clarity one simple way for you to understand what i'm saying is that in the in the act of the apostles on the day of pentecost the bible said when the spirit came upon them they spoke in tongues they spoke they spoke the spirit didn't speak for them they spoke in tongues you know because if we don't if we don't understand some of these things a believer may be a believer for 20 years and he doesn't still speak in tongues he's waiting for someone to lay hands on him he's waiting for a day where he will fall down he's waiting to depend on his feelings that is why we said it is not about feelings it is about knowing you must know that you have that power in you he said they spoke you begin to speak you activate that power it is in you the bible says, according to the the power that worketh in you the power is already in you you need to you know that's what the bible says. work it out you need to work that power out by speaking by faith by faith and you know that is the 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 the, the way because the the, the 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 scripture tells us we receive we receive we receive by faith you receive by faith you receive by faith so if you want to speak in tongues it is something that is an inheritance for a believer you don't work for an inheritance you don't work for an inheritance so that is very very important i hope that answers your question you speak they spoke in tongues by faith you speak and the, the moment you start speaking the holy spirit will give you the utterance the utterance is not something you put together like you write you know i remember some years ago i didn't speak in tongues and I went for a youth meeting, like uh, some ministry, a young youth meeting, and they were they were they were praying for people to speak in tongues, you know. And what they were doing is that they call you forward and they, they give you words to recite. So they, they say things, then you say after them. So I stood there and I knew that this wasn't from God. So I didn't go forward, you know. But I was still, you know, in the process of learning until i came to a place of acknowledging that these are things that are realities for the believer you know so it's not something that is taught the spirit gives you utterance the bible says that he, give, he gave them utterance in the book of Acts chapter 2 so that is very 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 important that is very very important 
now before we move on because i know people have questions today if you have any question you can ask me if you have question you can ask me christian bless you for joining us though i want to i want to share three three things uh, i want to share two things uh, i mean you will find in the old testament in the old testament like i was saying yesterday there were the two things you can't find in the old testament there are two things you cannot find the one is that the revelation of God. You cannot find the revelation of God in the Old Testament because men didn't have a clear picture of God. The revelation of God can't be found in the Old Testament. They can't, you can't find the revelation of God. And number two, the revelation of Satan cannot be found in the Old Testament. They hardly knew about God. They hardly knew about Satan. Then, But you can find assumptions about God and Satan in the Old Testament. You can find assumptions. You can find assumption about God in the Old Testament. In other words, people didn't have clear understanding about God because they lack capacity. The Spirit of God was not given in the Old Testament. All the prophets in the Old Testament didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. The Spirit came upon them and the Spirit went after the work was, whatever work he wanted them to do. And the Spirit goes back. You know, but in the New Testament, we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, we the seal of the believer. So the revelation of God was distorted in the Old Testament. People didn't have a clear picture about God. In fact, to, to, to tell you the truth, most of the writings of the Old Testament, they wrote based on the understanding they had. They wrote based on the understanding. That is why all the killings and everything like we were saying yesterday were ascribed to God. But we found out yesterday that people didn't have a clear understanding about God. Then the question then is, what did Moses see? Moses said he saw God. In fact, somebody asked me this question, but Moses said he saw God. And you are also saying the people didn't see God. Nobody saw God in the Old Testament. And I'm going to show you scriptures upon scriptures. Nobody saw God. Not even Abraham. Not Moses. Nobody saw God in the Old Testament. The first time God appeared in the Bible was in the four Gospels. Jesus Christ is the revelation of God. So Jesus Christ came to tell us something about um, how, how men, I mean, related with God. And I want to read this scripture to you. John chapter 1 verse 18. John chapter 1 verse 18. Michael is speaking in terms of spiritual language that we inherit as soon as you are born again that is very true john 1 18 john chapter 1 verse 18 this will bless you john 1 18 about whether the old testament folks saw god whether the old testament folks saw god john chapter 1 verse 18 john was talking here he says no man has seen god at any time no man now this is not even jesus christ this is john who is talking by revelation of the spirit he said no man has seen god now my question is was moses a man was abraham a man was elijah a man was enoch a man he said no man has seen god at any time no man no man has seen god at any time john 1 18 the only begotten son which is in the bosom of the father he has declared him praise god this is good he said no man has seen god but the only begotten son who is jesus christ he has declared god 
praise God. So for the first time people saw God, the first time people had a clear picture about God was when Jesus came on earth. He said, no man, no man, no man. Moses was a man. Elijah was a man. Abraham was a man. And he said, no man has seen God. Praise God. Now, let me show you what Jesus himself said. Maybe you say, okay, this is John. This is John. So let's see what Jesus himself said. John chapter 5, verse 37. John chapter 5, verse 37. Jesus speaking. He said, and the Father himself, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. Praise God. Now, this is red letter in the King James. It means Jesus talking. Jesus is the one speaking here. He said that, he said, And the Father himself, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice, nor seen his shape at any time. So no, no, he was talking because they were they were mortal men. He said, "You have never heard his voice. Nobody has heard his voice nor seen his shape at any time." That is the picture Jesus is painting. That so this will help us understand who was behind all the murders and the killings and the evil in the Bible. That it appears that in the Old Testament, God was a wicked God. God had mood swings, and you know He's being very jovial and He's being very nice in this dispensation. That is that you know the true nature of God must be revealed, and that true nature of God can only find expression in Christ. So if you want to know God, look at Jesus. There is no God you will see anywhere. You have to see Jesus. You see Jesus. Seeing Jesus is the depiction of the character of God. So the true nature of God must be revealed in Christ. So Jesus said in John 5, 37, He said, The Father himself has sent me and has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time. Now listen, any time means any time, including the dispensation of the law the dispensation of innocence the dispensation of human governance all the dispensation he said no man has seen god nor heard his voice at any time now will you believe jesus or you believe moses that tells you that the prophets of old they wrote based on the level of the knowledge and the revelation they had they wrote based on the for example moses in the garden of eden you know but someone will say yes all scripture is given by the inspiration of god that is true that cannot be denied the holy spirit inspired them to write the holy spirit inspired them to write that is very true but they wrote based on the level of knowledge so jesus christ came you know when jesus came he corrected moses a lot at a point, he said, Moses is even your accuser. When he used the word Moses, he was referring to the law of Moses. Because yesterday we said Moses can represent the law as the name Moses or a person as Moses. So he said, no one, no one, Jesus talking, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, he has declared him. Praise God. That is the nature of God that is being revealed in Christ. So Jesus is the revelation of God. Jesus, that's why we said the revelation of Jesus does three things. Number one, it reveals the true nature of God or the true character of God. So if you want to know who God really is, look at Jesus. What Jesus did is a depiction of what God does. What Jesus didn't do, God doesn't do. In fact, Jesus said, what I see my father do, is what i do so jesus is the true revelation of god then the revelation of jesus exposes satan 
the revelation of Jesus exposes Satan. You cannot do a thorough, I mean, uh, you cannot give a thorough explanation about who Satan is or what his works are until you have studied the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because it is studying Jesus that you get to know what who Satan is. It is when you study Christ, that is where you get to unveil who Satan is. That is why last month we said that no subject in the Bible can be studied outside Christ. In fact, the Bible cannot be studied outside Christ. Every subject can be studied outside Christ. Listen, theology without Christology is just dondology. Studying theology and not studying Christology. You didn't study anything. You just studied a, a course. You understand? So theology must include Christology. That is the study of Christ. So every subject, every doctrine in the Bible cannot be studied outside Christ. Number one, there is a, a subject called pneumatology or pneumaticus. That is the study of the Holy Spirit. Pneumaticus cannot be studied outside Christ. You can't study the Holy Spirit outside Christ. You cannot do a thorough exegesis on the Holy Spirit without Christ because the, the Holy Spirit must be studied in the light of Christ. How did I know that when jesus christ gave a promissory note to his disciples he said when the spirit comes i go and when he comes he said he shall testify of me that means the message of the holy spirit is christ praise god this is good he said that he shall testify of me he shall not speak of himself he shall not speak of himself in john chapter 14 you know jesus was saying that the holy spirit will not speak of himself so the holy spirit is a pointer to christ so for you to have a clear understanding about the holy spirit you can't study it outside christ so no subject of the bible cannot be can be studied outside christ another deliverance cannot be studied outside christ deliverance cannot be studied outside christ studying deliverance outside christ you cannot do that because christ is the deliverer praise god christ himself is the deliverer christ himself is the deliverer christ is the deliverer you can't study demonology outside christ you can't study the the study of demons is demonology you cannot study demonology outside christ because the bible say having uh, uh, having disarmed powers and uh, authorities he made a public show of them because he is the one who defeated demons so for you to know about demons you must know the person that is that is that you cannot study eschatology eschatology is the study of end times and future events you can't study eschatology without christ you can't study end times outside christ listen people think the book of revelation is about ceases and hellfire the book of revelation is not about hellfire the book of revelation is not about antichrist the book of revelation is not about ceases the book of revelation is about christ how did i know revelation 1 1 the first verse in the book of revelation gives us the subject matter of the book he says the revelation of jesus christ whom uh, john saw or who he gave to john the revelation of jesus so the book of revelation must be read in the light of christ when we read it in the light of christ we will see that actually it's talking about so no subject can be studied outside christ so the old testament had the, the old testament they didn't have a revelation of god they didn't have a revelation of satan they didn't know who was behind killings they didn't know who was behind murderers they didn't know when people were dying and all that they ascribe it unto god because as far as the prophets were concerned that is all they knew and that is all what they could write about for example they, at one point in time job yesterday we gave an example job said in that it is god who gives 
and it is he who takes that was the level of his revelation about god as far as job knew god can give life and he can take life at the day he thinks he i mean you are you are causing trouble on this earth but when you read job chapter 42 he gave a disclaimer of all what he said he said i learned all this by rumors you know what the word rumor actually means the word rumor means hearsay that means i hear people saying it about god then he said by now i know go read job chapter 42 you will get a clear picture of what i'm talking about so the book of job job actually gave a disclaimer he says so many things about god he regretted the day god created him and all that but he gave a disclaimer he said i learned by rumors but now i know now i know so they didn't have a clear understanding about who god was they didn't have a clear understanding about who god was so jesus is the perfect picture of god in fact there is no picture of jesus anywhere if you want to see jesus you must look for uh, you must look i mean you must look for him in the scriptures jesus can only be found in the scriptures outside the scriptures there is no picture of jesus anywhere so the scriptures is a picture gives us a picture or paints a picture about christ and christ is the revelation of god jesus reveals god in fact the mission statement of jesus christ the bible says for a virgin shall conceive she shall bring forth a son and his name shall be called emmanuel for he shall save his people now the word son of god let me let me let me just address this one quickly michael i'll come to your question very soon the word son of god i asked few people i said what is the meaning of son of god what does it mean and they gave several answers some said oh son of god means mary gave birth to jesus christ because he's a son of god and i said okay other people were talking about son of god and i said even the word son of god must be understood very well because when the bible talks about jesus as the son of god doesn't mean jesus son of god doesn't mean a son who has been born like a, a son to mr so so and so no jesus the word son of god actually means god who became a man that is the actual meaning the actual rendition when you read the son of god means god who became a man and dwelt among men that is why john chapter 1 verse 8 john chapter 1 the bible said and the word became flesh and dwelt among men the word dwell is the word tabernacle like how the old testament people are the tabernacle jesus was the tabernacle of god so he dwelt among men and the word became flesh and dwelt. so jesus is the perfect picture of god if you really want to know who god is look at christ moses doesn't give us a perfect picture of god abraham doesn't give us a perfect picture of god in fact to tell you the truth on the mount of transfiguration when jesus went to the mountain to pray with his disciples when the bible said that suddenly a voice came and and peter was asking jesus christ should we build three tabernacles one for you one for moses one for elijah now the reason why he mentioned moses because moses represented the law now the reason why he mentioned elijah elijah presented the prophet so we have the law and the prophet and jesus represented grace so there was a complete bible so he says shall we make three tabernacles one for each of them and the bible said as soon as he said that a voice came and said this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased hear him in fact do you know what that means god was saying that hear this one hear jesus not moses not elijah the one you are to hear is this one because this one is the perfect picture of me he's painting a perfect picture of me bless you man of god Eben.
awesome blessing man of god i salute you so jesus is the perfect revelation of god jesus is the perfect revelation so we have established i'm going to come to your question michael very soon just hang on in in so in john 5 37 jesus said no man has seen god not elijah not elijah not not moses not abraham now michael is asking what about the incident that happened at exodus if no man has ever seen god now i'm going to show you from scriptures that moses didn't see god moses saw angel moses saw an angel in the old testament they didn't relate with god they were relating with angels in the old testament actually the law was even given by the disposition of angels and we are going to look at that so angels were the one mediating the old testament jesus christ is the one who mediated the new testament so angels were the one operating with the people with the people of the old testament so i'm going to show you michael let, let's let's look let's answer your question from now moses said he saw god that is what my uh, michael is asking so at chapter 7 verse 35 i think th this will this will answer the question very well at chapter 7 did moses really see god did moses really see god at chapter 7 verse 35 he said so this one was about stephen when he was giving a message to the council he was giving a message now he summarized the entire bible stephen summarized the entire bible and in verse 35 he said this moses whom they refused saying who made thee a ruler and a judge the same did god send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush praise god so at chapter 7 verse 35 is telling us that an angel appeared to moses in the bush that is why we said the new testament is the revelation of the old testament because if you really want to get a perfect understanding about the old testament you read the new because the old testament is codes the new testament is the decoder so we use the decoder to uncode the old testament hallelujah so at 735 says that moses met the angel in the bush moses met the angel in the bush so this is giving a clear picture that moses never related with god moses never related with god so at chapter 7 verse 35 let me read he said to whom he was talking about moses then he said this moses whom they refuse saying who made thee a ruler and a judge the same did god send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush so angel appeared to moses at chapter 7 verse 35 now another one at chapter 7 verse 51 to 53 the same at 7 51 he said ye stiff naked and uncircumcised in heart and in ears do you always resist the holy ghost as your fathers did which of the prophets which of the prophets he said which of the prophets have which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted and they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one of whom you have now betrayed of you of whom you have been now betrayed and become murderers now verse 53 he said who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it so the law was actually given by the disposition of angels. God didn't give the law to Moses.
God never gave the law. God, the, 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 the Bible said the angels, the law was given by the disposition of angels because the Old Testament was mediated by angels. The Old Testament was actually mediated by angels. So Acts chapter 7 verse 35 helps. Then Acts chapter 7 verse 53 also helps. So Moses never saw God. Moses never saw God. Now we've heard from the mouth of Jesus Christ. We've heard from the mouth of of John, we've heard from, I mean, the explanation that uh, Stephen also gave. So it's 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 very clear that the Old Testament was operated by angels. They gave the law. Now, to even be more clear and very specific, Galatians chapter three verse eighteen. Let me read that one. Galatians three eighteen. Galatians three eighteen. It also talks about the angels mediating the New Testament. He said for for if the inheritance of the law for if the inheritance be of the law it is no more of promise but god gave it to abraham by promise wherefore then severed the law it was added because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator so he's talking about the father the law was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator so the the law was actually ordained by angels so the old testament folks were dealing with angels the old testament folks were actually dealing with angels the old testament folks were dealing with angels so jesus christ is the first time he reveals who god is to us now what about enoch Molaski, God bless you for joining me. The Lord bless you. The question is, what about Enoch? <laughs> now, we settle Moses now. So, Moses is okay. Moses didn't see God. Moses didn't see God. Now, the question is, the Bible said that Enoch, was with, Enoch walked with God and he was not. For God took him. So, somebody will ask, what about Enoch? Now, Enoch was a man. And Jesus said in John 5, 37, that no man has seen God. No man has said his voice. So Enoch was still a man. That stands to reason that Enoch didn't see God. So Enoch didn't see God. Now let's find out in John chapter 3 verse 13. John 3 13. Praise God. John 3 13. John 3 13. If you are watching me and you have any questions, you can also ask me. John chapter 3 verse 13. And no man has ascended. Now we know that we hear they said, Oh, Enoch ascended to heaven. Elijah was taken to heaven by a chariot of fire and all that. Now let's listen to Jesus. John 3 13. That is why the New Testament reveals the Old Testament. You know, and no man has ascended up to heaven. Jesus talking. Now, was Elijah a man? Was Elijah a man? Yes. Was, was, was was enoch a man yes and jesus is saying no man has ascended to heaven john chapter 3 verse 13 said no man has ascended up to heaven but he that came down from heaven even the son of man which is in heaven praise god so jesus is saying that no man has gone to heaven but the son of man who came down from heaven and even now that i'm talking to you i am in heaven he was talking to them and he's saying which is in heaven which means that he operates dual citizenship praise god and that is how the believer operates we operate dual citizenship both on earth and in heaven so jesus said no man has ascended to heaven which means enoch didn't go to heaven elijah didn't go to heaven so we need to find out where did they go <laughs> praise god
the bible is really really interesting jesus's words are very interesting he said no man has ascended up to heaven now will you believe what jesus said or you will believe what elijah was saying or you believe what enoch was saying jesus said no man has ascended to heaven now the question is so where did they go hebrews 11 13 hebrews will help us answer that question praise god hebrews 11 13 where did enoch go which means that the disappearance of enoch was a type of death the disappearance of enoch was a type of death the disappearance of elijah was a type of death hebrews 11 13 hebrews 11 13 now we, we all know that hebrews 11 is the hall of faith it talks about the heroes of faith so it talks about enoch it talks about elijah now verse 13 hebrews 11 13 he said this all died in faith praise god hallelujah this is good he said this all died now we know that he mentioned enoch in verse 5 he, uh, hebrews 11 5 he said by faith enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because god translated him now he talked about enoch in verse 5 he talked about all the prophets of old those heroes of faith now in verse 13 he said all these died in faith which means enoch's disappearance was a type of death praise god because contextually he said all he said this all enoch abraham he said they died in faith which means the disappearance of enoch the disappearance of elijah was a type of death was a type of death they disappeared but they all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed them confessed them that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth praise god so I think that that answers the question jesus is the custodian of god jesus is the perfect picture of god jesus is the revelation of god jesus is the sole custodian so custodian means that he is the only one in fact hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that he is the exact representation of god the word representation means that he's the exact image or he's the exact imprint or he's a perfect picture of god jesus is god who became a man for the purpose of saving man we read in psalm 110 verse 1 david gave a prophecy he said the lord said to my lord the lord said to my lord now the first lord there we said the hebrew is jehovah and the second lord is adonai so it was talking about you know god came out of god and spoke to god he said the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand till i make your enemy so jehovah said to adonai the incarnate the pre-incarnate god said to the incarnate the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand until i make your enemies so jesus is the perfect custodian of god jesus is god who became a man to save man in fact jesus didn't need you know jesus didn't need resurrection jesus didn't need resurrection in fact when he was on earth before he died he said i am the resurrection he himself was the resurrection but you know his resurrection was for you and i so he died and the bible said that he was buried and he rose so his resurrection was our resurrection. His death was our death. Now, the death of Jesus was not the death of a good man. The death of Jesus was the death of a criminal. The reason why I'm saying that is because Jesus didn't die the death of a good man. Because the death was not for him. He didn't need to die. 
but because he died in our stead instead of you and i dying because the bible said the wages of sin is death when we sin we were supposed to die but jesus took our place and died our death so his death was the death of a criminal he died a criminal he died a criminal so you know the the, the good man is a, a martyr in the in the in the in the in the in the early church they called them they were martyred for their faith now john the baptist was martyred for his faith his head was beheaded he was beheaded he was killed some of the early apostles were martyred but jesus's death wasn't the death of a martyr because that death was not his death that death was your death that death was my death he took our place that is called the substitutionary work of christ so instead of you and i dying jesus said no i have to die for them in the same way that is why we said uh, the, 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 the the incident of Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah was not anything you know that's why we, we, we read the the scriptures with the lenses of Christ because the, what actually happened on the Mount of Moriah was God teaching Abraham something god was teaching abraham something abraham needed to grow spiritually so god was teaching abraham about the resurrection of christ so what took place on the mount of moriah when abraham attempted to sacrifice his son isaac was actually god teaching abraham about the resurrection of jesus christ praise god so in john 8 when jesus came he said abraham saw my days and rejoiced now the question is where did abraham see christ Praise God. He saw Christ on Mount Moriah because what took place was a substitution. Isaac was supposed to die, but the lamp took the place of Isaac. You and I were supposed to die, but that lamp that represented Christ took our stead, took the place of our death. Praise God. So Jesus said, Abraham saw my days and rejoiced. Abraham saw my days and rejoiced. Abraham, so the, the resurrection of Jesus was not, he, his death was not for him. His death was our death. He died our death. We were supposed to die. He died our death. So Jesus shows up in the gospels and for the first time he said, you are of your father the devil. He's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Listen, the Bible says that the devil came but to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, 1 John 5, 20, he said, For the Son of God is come and has given us an understanding that we may know him, the only true God and eternal life. 1 John 5, 20, he said, The Son of God has come and he has given us an understanding. That means our understanding is in the light of Christ. The Son of God has come and he has given us understanding that we may know him the only true god jesus christ and he said eternal life so eternal life is a person eternal life is a person you don't receive eternal life when you go to heaven you know these were things i was taught when i was a child in sunday school that when you go to heaven god will give you eternal life but eternal life is not received in heaven eternal life is received on earth when you receive jesus christ because jesus is eternal life eternal life is a person once you receive christ you receive eternal life that is why jesus said your father's earth manna 
and they died. Your father's earth manner. You know, God was trying to show every way. God was trying to teach the people of the Old Testament Christ. But instead of them looking at Christ, they were looking at things. They were focusing on things. That is why we said we don't go to church for things. We go for him. When Philip saw Nathaniel in John chapter 1, the Bible said, he said, behold, he said, we have found him whom Moses in the law and all the prophets spoke about jesus of nazareth which means they went they saw him they found him we don't go to church to find things we go to church to find him because he is eternal life so we have found him so jesus said to them your fathers ate manna and died in the wilderness but you know god was trying to teach them about christ and instead of them seeing Christ, they were seeing manna. They ate the bread and they got tired and now they didn't need the bread anymore. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Which means the bread of God is not a bread from bakery. The bread of God is eternal life. He said, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So eternal life is a person. You don't receive eternal life in heaven. When you are born again, you have received eternal life. You know, and one of the things believers must understand is the assurance of your salvation. If you don't have an assurance of your salvation, that is when we will tell people we make heaven at last. You don't make heaven at last. You are made up of heaven. In fact, heaven is a benefit in Christ. Our focus is not to make heaven. Most Christians are serving God to make heaven. And I tell people, if your focus of serving Christ is to make heaven, then you are missing it. Because you are not serving, you want to be in Christ. You want to be in Christ. Heaven is a benefit of Christ. Because Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away. Which means heaven has an expiry date. Praise God. But Christ does not have. Once you are in Christ, heaven and earth shall pass away. Once you are in Christ, you are made up of heaven. That is why the Bible says we are seated together. I love that word. He said we are seated. The word together, we said, is from the Greek word sakatizo. Sakatizo. Which means that there is an... You cannot see one without the other. That is what it means. Together means you cannot see Christ without the believer. Wherever Christ is, the believer is there. You know, you may be living in a small city, in a small corner somewhere, but in the realm of the spirit, you are seated with Christ far above. That is a reality. And you don't have to feel it. You have to accept. You have to believe. You have to acknowledge it. That is your position. The believer's position is above principalities and powers praise god so that is very 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 important so jesus is a perfect picture of god for us to have a perfect picture of god god bless you mommy victoria god bless you for joining me greetings to all new york people <laughs> we greet all of them the lord bless you so it is very very important that we understand that jesus is the perfect picture of god jesus gives us a perfect revelation of god jesus is the perfect revelation of god in fact what the bible uh, at chapter 10 verse 38 say how god anointed jesus of nazareth with the power and the holy spirit he went around doing good on healing all those who were oppressed by the devil that means the ministry of oppression is the ministry of the devil he came to steal to kill and to destroy but jesus came that you and i might have life Jesus is the expression of life. Once you see Christ, there is life. Wherever there is Christ, there is life. You know, that is why, you know, in 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 John chapter in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, 
when Jesus Christ was talking about the prophecy that Isaiah gave, he said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That now listen, he said to preach the gospel to the poor, to preach the gospel to the poor. Now that stands to reason that what the poor need is the gospel. Now, the word poor there he was talking about is not poor as in poor. The word poor there he was talking about is people that are spiritually dead because the poor doesn't need, you know, when Jesus said to preach the gospel to the poor, the poor, actually when someone is poor, what makes them come out of poverty is money. But he said to preach the gospel to the poor, the poor there does not mean poor as in English language, but poor as in Bible language, which means people who are spiritually dead, people who need, you know, people who need, who need, who need, I mean, the recreation of their spirit to preach the gospel to the poor. And he went about, you know, when you compare those two scriptures, bless you, Joshua, for joining. The Lord bless you. Bless you so much. You know, he gave the prophecy in Isaiah. And when you compare what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Bible said that when Jesus kept on mentioning, in, in fact, Isaiah's prophecy, he said to bring the day of vengeance. That is what Isaiah said. But it will marvel you what Jesus said. It will marvel you what Jesus said in the Bible. He mentioned everything Isaiah mentioned and left out vengeance. Jesus was teaching a lesson. You know, I don't think the Bible was just written. That is why we must be very careful of words. Because words, Jesus or God communicates to us by words. He communicates revelation by, by words. So words are very, very important. So Luke chapter 4 verse 18 Isaiah mentioned to preach the day of vengeance to the day of vengeance and all that. Listen to what Jesus said. He he did something that that is worth noting. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. He said and 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 the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance. Now listen, he said to preach deliverance, not to pray deliverance. That means that deliverance is a preaching. Deliverance is a message. So when you preach the message of Christ, you are preaching deliverance. And when people receive that message, they are delivered. They are delivered from, and they receive the message, they are delivered from what? Sin. And he said to, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, in Isaiah's prophecy, he said to preach the day of vengeance and the acceptable year of the Lord. By listening to what Jesus said, he said to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 20, and he closed the book. Praise God, this is deep. He closed the book. In other words, Jesus didn't talk about vengeance, you know, because Jesus knew that that is not the nature of God. When he said to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the Bible said he closed the book. He closed the book. He closed the book. Jesus was teaching a lesson. He was teaching that I'm unveiling the true nature of God. The true character of God can only be found in Christ. Bless you, Brafi. Bless you for joining. He, to preach the acceptable year 
of the Lord. Now, what we are preaching today is the acceptable year of the Lord. You cannot have day of vengeance and acceptable year of the Lord together. The day of vengeance is actually the last day when unbelievers will be judged. That is the day of vengeance. But this is the acceptable year of the Lord. In fact, when you come to the peace, he said, this is the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is the year or is the... In fact, the word year there is not referring to like 2020. It's referring to a dispensation an error so he said we are in the era of the acceptable we are in the acceptable era everyone is accepted but men can only be accepted when the message is preached to them he said men can only so to preach the acceptable era or the acceptable period or the acceptable dispensation of the lord the acceptable year of the lord so jesus is the perfect picture of god he reveals god he reveals god he reveals God. Jesus reveals God everywhere. He reveals God. He's the he's the he's the he's the he's the imprint of God. He's the perfect picture of God. He's the imprint of God. He reveals God. There is no evil in Jesus Christ. There is no evil in God. In fact, the Bible says, and light shines in darkness, and darkness cannot comprehend. And light shines in darkness, and darkness cannot comprehend. And the Bible says, He has reconciled us to Himself not counting our sins and yesterday we said the word reconcile means catalazo catalazo means to breach the gap catalazo reconcile means to breach the gap that means the gap between man and god has been breached by christ so there is no separation that is why sin cannot stand between the believer and christ praise god sin cannot stand between the believer and christ because the only mediator between god and man is christ let me say that again sin cannot stand between the believer and christ because the only mediator that stands between man and god is christ jesus so he has reconciled us to himself he did the reconciliation he did the reconciliation he reconciled us back to himself not counting their sins against them not counting their sins and we said the word counting is an accounting term which means to calculate to uh, to calculate or to log when we said logarithm to log in god does not log your sins god does not god does not hold or impute your sins against you praise god man of god eric the lord bless you bless you bless you bless you for joining the lord bless you so much so it is very important that we we understand that jesus is god who became a man jesus reveals the nature of god don't let anybody give a, a wrong impression about god you know when i hear people talk about evils that are happening in the world satan's workings people attribute it to god for example god will not use any volca volcanic eruption or any earthquake to i mean discipline any country no that you know it's out of out of lack of proper interpretation of god's word that makes people think that you know people think god uses evil to teach people lesson god doesn't use evil to teach lesson god will not afflict a believer with sickness just to humble the person no if god wants to teach a lesson he speaks through the holy spirit he speaks to us he cautions us he doesn't inflict us with disease like job painted the picture you know so it is lack of proper bible understanding 
lack of proper bible understanding that makes people think that you know lack of proper bible understanding makes people think that the ccs is uh, obama at first they said obama is the ccs now they said trump is the ccs all these are lack of proper bible interpretation the bible said that the C right now as we live in this world there are so many ccs there are so many antichrists they said the antichrist is obama now it is trump you know antichrist the word anti a-n-t-i or anti like people will say it means to oppose so antichrist or antichrist means anything that opposes christ so antichrist is anything that opposes christ to tell you the truth any message that contradicts the finished work of christ is antichrist so antichrist is not a single person antichrists are all over the places any message that opposes the finished work of Christ. for example the scripture is clearly is it makes it clearly clear that you your sins have been forgiven god is not counting your sins against you there is a gospel that is also countering that gospel that christ has not forgiven you your sins you when you sin you are doomed for hell that is antichrist against what christ is saying so antichrist is not obama don't let anybody lie to you antichrist is not obama antichrist is not trump don't let anybody lack of proper bible interpretation antichrist is a spirit that is working in people and it can only take place when you give the devil the room so the, the apostle paul said i marvel in galatians that you are so soon so soon removed from him who called you into the gospel of christ which means that the gospel is a calling he said he called you into we have been called unto the gospel of christ then you have been removed from this unto another gospel which is not another which is not another so that is very 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 key very key very 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 key jesus is god's now jesus is not god's messenger or jesus is not a junior god you know people think like jesus is a junior god jesus is not god's messenger elijah was a messenger of god they all came to prophesy about jesus christ because in luke 24 jesus said that and all that the prophet have spoken he said it was concerning him which means from genesis to malachi everything everybody was saying was about christ the reason why we may not know is because we haven't studied it but when we start studying what elijah said when we start studying what obadiah zachariah zaphaniah nahum all what they were saying was about jesus christ so when they were messengers they came to proclaim they came to I mean speak about what Christ will come and do but Jesus is the message there is a difference between a messenger and a message a messenger has been sent to de deliver but what he is going to deliver is the message so what they were delivering is the person of Christ so Jesus is not a messenger of God Jesus is the message he himself is eternal life he himself is eternal life so that is very 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 key very key for us to understand so very key and and you know we said yesterday that uh, no no man qualifies to be a high priest today no man jesus is our high priest he is our high priest in the old testament their high priests were standing we said yesterday they were standing the high priest in the old testament, aaron they were all standing that means that god was teaching them that under the law there is still always something to do because they were standing constantly in the in the in the temple performing sacrifices they never sat down it was standing but in the new testament the bible says that our high priest is seated 
he said for after he has now hebrews 10 12 let me read, he said but this man after he has offered one sacrifice now listen the old testament they offered multiple sacrifices multiple they were standing and offering the sacrifice but he said but this man in hebrews 10 12 after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever forever which means jesus is not coming to die again that is why your sins are forgiven eternally your sins are forgiven eternally because jesus is not coming to die again he said after he has he has sacrificed for sins forever sat down he sat down that means our high priest is sitting praise god that is the priesthood of jesus christ he sat down at the right hand of god and we said the right hand of god means a place of authority or regency the bible didn't say he sat down at the right hand side of god that will that will seem to mean that the right hand of god is a location in heaven the right hand of god is a place of authority which means jesus now occupies authority that is why we come in the name of jesus we come in his name because he is in that place of authority bless you michael said even you being jealous of someone is a proof of and is a proof of antichrist yeah at work in you yes so antichrist means oppose opposing what christ has done opposing what christ has done so no human being is an antichrist on this earth i mean i mean there are so many antichrists but there is no a single a singular person or a single person as a word antichrist the bible doesn't teach like that in first thessalonians he talks about so many antichrists in the world and in galatians he said you have been removed from him who called you from this gospel unto another gospel that another gospel is antichrist you know and and lastly before before i i i bring uh, today to an end the the rapture you know i sent i posted a message on facebook and some time ago i remember i posted a message on facebook and i was i was talking about the old and new testament and someone attacked me very strongly on facebook he sent um, a reply that was he said uh, i was talking about the fact that i mean the the new testament is 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 not a continuation of the old testament you know people think the old testament the new testament is a continuation of the old testament because it's old and this one is new so this one is continuing the first one and the person attacked me and he said how can you watch a part one movie without watching the part two you know and i knew that this guy was talking out of ignorance because first of all the new testament is not a continuation of the old testament there are two different dispensations altogether so you can't continue the father the you see and i said yesterday that that single page in the bible can distort people's view about the entire relationship god has with man because in his bible we see a page that after genesis to malachi the next is is matthew so he thinks that the old testament the new testament is a continuation of the old testament and i explained to him and i said no the old testament is a relationship the new testament is a relationship the old testament had its own dispensation not everything in the old testament is referring to you today not everything in the old testament is referring to you today for example there were laws in the old testament like if somebody sins you know if somebody commits adultery commit fornication they stone people to death how many people today commit adultery and fornication and are stoned to death so if we really want to obey the law we should fully obey it 
you shouldn't be selective because the law was about 613 aside the 10 commandment so if you really want to obey the lord obey the law make sure you fully obey everything when you when you sin make sure you go and face that punishment that was required in the law praise god that means that it was a different dispensation it was a different dispensation altogether so you can't take a scripture in the old testament and build a doctrine today that the bible said this in exodus so everybody should do this today you cannot first of all we must know who said this which people was it addressing which people was it addressing why was he saying that you know that's why contextual reading is important we read the bible in context just picking a scripture and 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 i mean making doctrine out of it will lead people to error listen preachers hold the lives of people in their hands preachers hold the destiny of people in their hands why am i saying that because if a soul will be saved it is dependent on the gospel you preach if you preach a gospel that will deliver people and set them free from every yoke and bondage it relies on the message that is why the message and the ministry it was defined success the message and the ministry not just the ministry but the message and the ministry because a messenger with the wrong message will lead people in error like i said yesterday a false teacher is dangerous than a false prophet because the worst thing that can happen when a false prophet prophesies to you at least it will not come to pass but when a false teacher indoctrinates you gives you wrong doctrine and i mean places your mind on a certain level you 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 your your life you know that is your life because you cannot live the expression you cannot express the life christ wants you to express on earth so it is very important that we do contextual reading contextual reading you read you are reading the book of john just we don't just pick for example the bible cannot mean today what it never meant when it was first written you know like picking john 3 16 to preach on giving you see you know somebody will say oh it's not anything it's all the bible but hey one somebody was telling me i can preach anything from the bible you are is an abuse of the scripture you know because the bible must be read contextually even when jesus said john 3 16 he was not talking about money the reason why jesus talked about john for god so loved the word that he gave his only spirit is talking about salvation so that scripture is a salvational scripture you preach on it you talk about souls you know but people say oh i can use any verse in the bible to talk about anything you cannot use any verse in the bible to talk about everything because the bible cannot mean what it's first what it meant when it was first written it cannot mean that today it cannot mean different things bless you ns for joining me god bless you ns wilson bless you bless you for joining so the bible cannot mean what it never meant when it was first written so we must read context context is very very important reading context will really help contextual reading will help a lot because today we are in hurry we just pick the scripture and we just say it like it is we just pick the scripture not knowing who it is said to and you go and tell somebody and the person believes it and that is it you know so contextual reading he said i can use anything that's why apostle paul gave us the borderline for the scriptures you cannot teach business with the scriptures that is an abuse because the bible was not written for business you can't teach agriculture economics with the bible he said it is written for doctrine if you want to study agriculture there are greek schools who will give you certificate after completion you know but the bible is for doctrine 
for correction and training people to do the work of ministry so it's not a business school we don't use if you want a business there are so many business schools that will give you certify you they will certify you with with, with i mean they will give you knowledge in fact they have more knowledge the bible is jesus's book and the bible must be used for its purpose the bible cannot be abused there are so many abuse and now today everything anybody is doing they have scripture to back it you know when people are doing anything they have scripture to back it it's an abuse of the bible we must know the identity of the scriptures jesus gave identity to the scriptures he said they testify of me so preaching economics with the bible or he said oh i can preach anything anything you want to talk about you can use the bible no you are abusing the purpose of the scriptures in fact the word holy scriptures the word holy is hagios and scriptures is graphe so hagios graphe which means sacred or set apart writing that means that the bible has been set apart for a specific purpose specific praise god to train people Ephesians chapter 4 says to, to he said he has given some apostles, prophets, teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So the Bible is to equip people to bring them to a place of maturity to also do the work of ministry. Hence, the essence of ministry is ministry. The reason why we do ministry is for people to also do. In fact, the word ministry means service. The word ministry means service, means service to serve so we are serving to raise people to also serve it's like going to a restaurant and seeing a waiter or a waitress the person serves you they minister to you that is the meaning of ministry you know by today listen people 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 abuse the scriptures too much the abuse of the scriptures is too much people don't read context we just read the bible we take it as it is not knowing who it was referring to not knowing what time what period was it said was is it even is it even in context as how i'm explaining it you know and all this comes when we don't read in context so that is very 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 important very 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 important who said this when he was saying this what which people was he saying it to you know so you cannot use the bible for anything he said it is sacred writings holy scriptures now we said the word holy means set apart like in the old testament he had vessels tables spoons chairs were called holy vessels doesn't mean there was something spectacular about it what it means is that in fact when moses went to the mount to to uh, when he saw the angel in the mount the burning bush the bible said he should remove his sandal for this is a holy ground now what made the ground holy wasn't because of the special place because in fact there were so many i mean filth over there animals were grazing all over the places what made the place holy was the presence that was there so it became a holy ground because of the presence because at that particular time it was set apart for that particular reason so the scriptures gives jesus gives identity to the scriptures. so the scriptures are set apart writings they have been set apart for doctrine the word doctrine is from the word didascalia didascalia means to teach or to explain you know but people think doctrine is you know christianity is 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 you people don't want to talk about doctrine because one time one man of god said i, I should speak on a, on a message and he said but i don't want doctrine you know and 
and I was thinking about it and I'm like, what is doctrine? Because people think doctrine means rules and regulations. No, doctrine actually means teaching or explanation on a particular subject. So that is the essence of the Bible, to teach for doctrine to teach people about what not just teaching about a greek not just teaching about economics you know not just teaching about anything to teach doctrine in the area of salvation concerning christ so he said for doctrine for for reproof we said the word reproof means evidence that means evidence the bible is our evidence the scriptures is our evidence and we said the word evidence reproof means evidence like was used in Hebrews chapter 11, you know, and for correction, correction means resetting your mind, resetting your mind, like the screen, the big screen thing in heaven, you know, the big screen where your sins, I don't know if that TV is going to be a Samsung TV or whatever, you know, that your sins will be projected on it in heaven. The, the more you, you, you get to know the scriptures, you reset your thinking. How you, you were taught, you reset your mind on all that. That is the essence of the scriptures. Then he said, for instruction in righteousness. So the Bible is to instruct us in the area of righteousness. Not instructing for righteousness, instructing in righteousness. Because the believer is already righteous. So now the righteousness, the instruction is going to help the believer to grow spiritually. So instruction is dealing with spiritual growth of the believer. That the man of God, the word man of God that is referring to the believer, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work that is the essence of the holy scriptures hagios graphe holy scriptures sacred writings sacred writings set apart writing so man of god woman of god let's stick to the purpose of the scriptures the abuse of the scriptures will only amount people in error the abuse of the scriptures will amount people to error so context is very important context is very important for example there is this scripture that says for for Jesus became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. When you start from the context, he was talking about the grace of God. So, obviously, he was talking about the grace that was upon the people and how they gave out of the grace of God. So, contextually, he was talking about God's grace. So, when he said, for Jesus became, though he was rich, yet he became poor. He was talking about the riches, the unsearchable riches of Christ we are talking about. He was rich in grace, yet he became poor in sin. So that through that poverty, we might become the righteousness of God. Context. Because when you study context, he was talking about, so he became poor so that through his poverty, we might become the righteousness or the we, we might be, receive the righteousness of god he was talking about the grace of god so very very key very very key very key let's stick to the purpose why the scriptures were written the scriptures were written for learning for learning for learning where believers will learn learning about what about christ learn about jesus christ and his work learn about jesus christ because the more we learn about him the more we see ourselves like I always say, your mirror is not what gives you your true picture of your life. Your mirror, you don't see yourself by looking at yourself in a mirror. You see yourself in Christ. You see yourself in Christ. So the Bible said, but we all with open face. You know, before he said the open face, he talks about, um, about veiled face. That the people of Moses had faces that were veiled. But he said today, 
we all with open face beholding us in a mirror the glory of god the glory of god now he talked about the glory of god he said we are transformed from that same image we are transforming to that same image from glory to glory now the word from glory to glory doesn't mean from glory to glory to glory to glory because in context he was talking about two glories the glory of the old testament and the glory of the new testament and he said moses had glory on his face and even that glory fades away now he came to talk about the new testament glory then he said but when we behold in a mirror we are beholding christ and we are transformed into that same image from the glory of the old testament to the glory of the new testament because the glory of the old testament fades when moses went to the mountain and the bible said he, his face was so glorious that people couldn't see his face so the bible said it was even though it was so glorious it fades away he said, but we are changed from that same image, into that same image, from glory to glory. So not from glory to glory to glory to glory. Like the scripture that says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when I was growing up, I was taught, the more you hear, so the more you hear, the more you have faith. The day you stop hearing, you don't have faith. So faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. The day you stop hearing, there is no faith. Praise God. That is not what the Bible was saying. The word faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. The word of God actually in the Greek means the message of Christ. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the message of Christ. So when you hear the message of Christ, faith is imparted. Faith is imparted when you hear Christ. It's not like, oh, today I hear the word, then I have more faith. Tomorrow when I stop hearing the word, I don't have faith again. No believer doesn't have faith. No believer. If you, to say no believer has, to say a believer does not have faith is like saying, you know, I don't even know how to explain that. The reason why you are called a believer is because you believed. So believing is what imparts faith. So no believer ha has no faith. A believer has faith. A believer, every born again has faith. Because first of all, when you receive the gospel, faith is imparted. Listen, the Old Testament demanded faith. But the New Testament supplies faith. The gospel supplies faith. When you hear the message of Christ, faith is supplied. There is a demand and supply. Under the law, there was demand for righteousness. People needed to live holy and sanctimonious. Under the New Testament, there is supply of righteousness. People need to believe in the finished work of Christ and they are righteous. So faith is imparted at salvation. That is why the Bible calls it the word of faith which we preach. That means the word of faith is a preaching. Faith is a message. When the message is preached, it imparts faith. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the message of Christ. Not hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Now somebody may be watching and is asking, how about Jesus said, ye men of little faith. Ye men of great faith. So there are so many kinds of faith. Apostle Enoch Edu, bless you, daddy. Thank you for watching. I salute you, man of God. Thank you so much. So faith comes by hearing 
He said, by hearing the message of Christ. So when you hear the message, faith is ignited. Faith is imparted at salvation. Faith is imparted at salvation. You know, the Old Testament folks and in the Gospels, if you realize, their faith were in things. Their faith were in things. Bless you, Apostle Enokedu. I appreciate you. I need to call you Apostle. <laughs> I'll call. I'll call definitely. <laughs> yes. So faith is imparted as salvation. In the gospel, their faith were in things. When people came to Jesus, they came for Jesus to heal them. And Jesus looked at their faith. And he said, you woman of great faith, you men. And at a point, he called people men of little faith. That was even before he went to the cross, before he went to the cross, you know. But when you come after his resurrection, the Bible says in Hebrews, he said, you have come to, he said, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. That means he begins the faith and he ends the faith. The question is, where does he begin the faith? The faith at salvation. So no born again can live without faith in fact it is faith that is why he's called a believer because a believer is someone who has believed that is why he has faith but people has to be taught about the knowledge of what christ has done for them listen if then if you don't have the knowledge of what christ has done it will affect the operation of your faith so it's not that the believer lacks faith the, if the knowledge is not there, that is what affects the operation of the faith. Because the person hasn't gotten to a realm where he knows what is available. And that affects his operation of faith. So in certain instances where things become hard and tough, then the person will be staggering. You know, So people need to be taught that they have to know the knowledge, what Christ has done, receive them, work in that reality. And the more you do that, the more you, 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 you build up, you know, you build up the faith that you have. But telling them that they don't have faith, they, they don't have faith. You may not see the operation of their faith because of the lack of knowledge they have. For example, how did I know that? In Philemon chapter 1 verse 4, when Paul prayed for Philemon, he said, I cease not to pray for you, hearing of your faith and your love, which means Philemon didn't lack faith he was a believer he didn't lack love these are not things we pray for but he said I cease not to pray for you hearing of your faith and your love which means he had faith he had love we don't pray for God's love Romans 5 5 the Bible said the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit because the love of God is the Holy Spirit when he comes in your heart he comes and imparts that love in the same way faith is imparted so he prayed for him hearing of your faith on your love I seek not to make mention of you then he's prayed the same prayer in Ephesians 1 16 he said I cease not to make mention of you in my prayer hearing of your faith and your love so the believer has faith Everyone again has faith. But the more knowledgeable we have, we are about what this faith that we have in Christ has produced, what it has produced for us, the more we walk in that reality and the more it builds us in the faith. In fact, to tell you the truth, the whole Christianity, the entire Christianity is called the faith. Because Christianity is a life of faith. You enter by faith and you live by faith. So if you are not in the faith, you cannot enter the faith. You, if you don't enter the faith, you can't live in the faith. So that is very important. Christianity in its entirety is called the faith. Bless you, Anita. 
bless you for joining me the lord bless you for joining me so that is very important hearing of your faith and your love hearing of your faith and your love no born again can live without faith because faith in fact jesus christ is even he said the author and the finisher which means that he's the personification of faith the bible says faith cometh he said faith comes by hearing it comes it's not like oh the more i listen to the word and i have faith if this month I was so much into the word, every day I was listening, I was so much, I had 100% faith. Then next month, I started listening one day, two days, and I stopped. So my faith went away. No, that is, that is, the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the message of Christ. So if you want to build your faith, listen to the message of Christ. That builds you faith, that gives you faith. It gives you faith in the area of forgiveness. You know you are eternally forgiven. It gives you faith, confidence in the area of righteousness. You know no matter what is going on, no matter your past, you are the righteousness of God. It gives you faith, you are, you are justified in Christ. It gives you faith that you have the inheritance, you have the fullness. The Bible said that in him for in christ is the fullness of the godhead bodily and we are in him complete it gives you faith about the assurance of your salvation it gives you faith so faith comes by the message of christ faith comes by hearing and hearing the message of christ praise god i hope this message has blessed you i hope this message has blessed you the lord bless you for the sake of time i'm going to end here I'm going to end here. The unsearchable riches of Christ. There are so many riches, boundless riches, boundless wealth, treasures. The Bible says that they are they are they are heavenly treasures in earthen vessels. Heavenly treasures in earthen vessels. That is the unsearchable riches of Christ. So many treasures in the believer. So many. We have received them. He said, according to the power that worketh in us, that the power is in us, we need to work it out. We need to work it out. So the unsearchable riches of Christ is the message of Paul. Was the message of Paul. The unsearchable riches of Christ was the message of Paul. Bless you. And <laughs> says, When's, when is the next series? Yes. So the next series is in March. I think 9th to 13th March. I'm not, I'll have to check the date. Yeah. So God willing is going to, we are still going. The gospel must go. The gospel is still going. So we are preaching the gospel everywhere in every corner. We are not giving heed to any charlatan and any froster. You know, this is the time where believers must awake preach preach the gospel preach the gospel don't compromise on the gospel don't compromise on the gospel listen popularity is not a gift popularity nobody has been given the gift of popularity if your intention is to be popular and your intention is to be popular on social media no popularity is not a gift we are to preach everywhere everywhere preach the gospel preach the gospel everywhere preach the message everywhere don't compromise on the message of christ preach it as it is preach the word preach the word he said how can they be saved unless there is a hearer unless there is a hearer how can they be saved unless there is how can they be saved unless there is someone sent to preach to them so you must preach. Then the second day we said the word preaching is from the word caruso, which means to proclaim. So preaching is not just preaching. It's not just preaching, but preaching the message, preaching the message. You know, we are not saying people are not preaching. They are preaching. 
and it's it's really appreciated but preach the message the message that has been entrusted to us preach it you know like i said nobody will be rewarded for salvation nobody will be rewarded for salvation because salvation is a gift and you are not rewarded for a gift somebody gives you a gift it's a gift salvation is a gift salvation is a gift nobody will be rewarded for salvation but so heaven is not a reward for salvation heaven is not your reward for salvation salvation is a gift nobody is a, is rewarded but what believers will be rewarded is the message entrusted to us that that is why paul said i bring my body under subjection lest after i have preached to others i myself will not be cast away the word cast away does not mean he's going to lose heaven cast away means i'll be disqualified from the reward or the gift but he was staying he was staying true to the message and trusted him preach the gospel preach it preach it preach the gospel the lord bless you michael say check the date and update us yes i'm going to check the date very well we are ready this was and it's a great series bless you bless you and bless you everybody for joining the lord bless you share the message and preach the gospel that is the important thing preach the gospel and and let your hope and your focus be on christ let your hope and focus be on christ because jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith our faith is not in abraham our faith is not in moses our faith is not not even in elijah or enoch our faith is in christ the bible says till we all come to the unity of the knowledge of the faith that unity doesn't mean one day all churches in the world will come together it will not happen in billion years but what it means is that we all speak one language in the knowledge of christ the unity in the faith in the knowledge we all speak one language we all preach the same message about christ that is where the standard god is sending the church to and it's starting with me and you it's starting with you and i so let's preach preach the gospel once again thank you for joining me i appreciate you ben also joined bless you thank you so much i pray father i pray for viewers watching I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that even as Father, this month, this year has begun in the second month in February, we declare that Father, our steps are ordered by you. The Bible says that the Lord orders the steps of the righteous man. The Bible says the righteous is as bold as a lion. We pray for boldness to preach the word, boldness to preach the gospel, boldness to proclaim your word. We come against vision killers. We come against distractions, still that kills vision of people. We declare that the gospel will go stronger and stronger and we declare that we have boldness but the bible said that when they saw the boldness of the apostles they realized they have been with christ we declare the spirit of boldness upon us and we pray for the grace to father lord speak to people and minister christ unto them for your word say that we should preach in season and out of season and we know that it is what i pray for viewers i pray anyone watching me who is not saved i declare that this gospel permeates your heart i come against every hardened heart every heart that has been solidified by the devil that makes it hard for the gospel to permeate we declare that heart is touched and we pray that the word of god has impact on your life in jesus name i come against anybody watching me suffering from any sickness any kind of sickness every sickle cell issue 
issue anemia name them i curse them to the root and i declare you healed i declare fever healed i declare anemia diabetes hiv every kind of sickness that is not even named among men we curse it to the root and we declare that you are free in the name of jesus those that father yearn more for the revelation of jesus we pray that veils will be taken off shackles on our eyes will be taken off we pray that our ears are pop open and we decree that our mouth is filled with the gospel of jesus to speak in season and out of season the lord bless you once again know that the gospel is not a seasonal message the gospel is not circumstantial the gospel is not a seasonal my like when it's only easter then we are preaching about jesus christ no it's not seasonal it is consistent every day is the constant diet and we saw that yesterday the apostles were preaching christ every day they preach him in the temple in the house everywhere they were preaching christ dispensing christ all over the place the gospel is not circumstantial you don't look at the circumstance of the people and preach to them to wow them and stimulate their emotions you know and when the economy booms then you have no ministry then you have no message but you preach christ you know somebody asked me why are you preaching about christ every day don't you think you not have any message to preach i said the message of christ cannot be exhausted in billion years because there is always something to say there is always something you god will show you from the scriptures to to say so don't compromise the lord bless you bless you and increase you in everything you do this year is a good year this year is an acceptable year of the lord this year is a year of increase in every aspect the year of double honor you will see the favor the glory everything flourish in jesus name we call it done the lord bless you the lord bless you the lord bless